0: I'm Fathery. This is Brian. And this is Starfleet Boy. And this is Text Trek.
1: Engage.
2: Your opening is epic, just saying.
0: <laughs> Glad you dig it. So uh, welcome Hello. back, everyone. Welcome aboard the Starship Texas for the 113th installment of the Text Truck podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we talk all about Star Trek all the time. And uh, tonight, uh, Brian, Starfleet boy, and I am here to talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, episode five. Cupid's Errant Arrow, written by Ben Joseph and directed by Kim Arndt. Uh, So we're just going to kick things off by giving our opening statement, uh, just kind of a um, general uh, idea of how we felt about the episode, and then we'll go and break it down in great detail. Uh, Starfleet Boy, because you are a uh, first-time guest on board tonight, would you like to uh, give the first opening statement? on uh, Cupid's errant arrow. Yeah, um I I feel
2: like I'm still too close to the episode to like really like say something uh clever about it at this point, but all I have to say is I loved it. It was just a delightful episode. Like to me it, it the show gets better with each episode and I keep saying this week after week it's my favorite. It and this is my new favorite. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Spoilers for my <laughs> what I thought of this episode. Uh,
3: I, I, I think it's probably my third favorite, but, but I, and the second funniest that they've done so far. Um, so I laughed a lot and, uh, I didn't, I think this is probably the one that I found least offensive from a point of view of that would never happen in Starfleet. (laughs) Uh, so yay that we're making progress on that front. um, so, uh, yeah, and I, I, I love the Gorn Eggs, as we call them. So uh, yeah. that was a lot of fun.
0: The Gorn Eggs being our uh, Easter eggs, continuity connections, <clears throat> and in-jokes that we uh, we will go over at the end of the podcast. We'll close out on those. There were some delightful ones in this episode. As, as The show is consistently delivered.
2: And and oh. like, so it's in, and I feel like now we have in-jokes that are already in this universe as well, and it's, so it's just building on it itself like it's kind of becoming its own thing and I like that a lot
0: well for me this episode uh to me it kind of indicates that I I think at this point uh halfway through season one it feels like they've really cracked the code on how to write this tv show uh there is a great balance here uh, <clears throat> and you know the, the things that I like in the show were all kind of synced up with one another it, like like balanced I think is, is probably the best way to describe it um, the, uh, problems I had in the show were possibly things that might keep it from being my favorite episode, but at the same time, I kind of want to declare this my favorite so far. Um, just <laughs> I, the only thing I disliked was some of the stuff in the B story with, uh, Rutherford and Tindy that I'll, I'll get into just like the way that that ended kind of fell flat for me. Uh, but the, this episode also had some of the things that I, I was hoping to see, uh, some of that was like really fanish, <laughs> and uh, but I still loved seeing it. Uh, just admitting how like just self indulgent and fanboyish it is to, to see this on screen. Um, but I, I will say that uh, pretty much everything except for those issues I had with the B story, I, I loved, and I'm hoping that this is kind of a reflection of the way that the show is going to be written going forward. I think that they had like Mariner was still you know over the top, but not too much. Tone down just enough. The like humiliation with Boimler was kind of kept in check. Uh, like the, the friendship between the two of them and then kind of antagonism, brother, sister, antagonism between the two of them, I think was like balanced out. The uh, captain doing like a real Starfleet mission thing and actually, you know, showing that <coughs> she has some, some bona fides uh, to be out there commanding a <laughs> the starship, I it, but still, you know, being funny and still having like
3: some goofiness. It just all felt
0: very balanced to me.
3: Yeah, I, I, so what you're saying is you liked it because it was the least offensive episode they've done so far. <laughs> um, they didn't screw anything they, up. <laughs> yeah, they didn't screw anything up, but
0: they still like, because I don't want the show to be like, I want it to be bold. You know, I think <clears> in <throat> Star Trek we should boldly go. Um, so I, I, th- this show the entire time has felt pretty confident and kind of ambitious in its own way. And I want them to, uh, you know, continue that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, of course, I don't want them to screw anything up. You gotta know you gotta know, when to rein it in. Uh, Mike McMahon yeah. has said that the <laughs> second half of the season is stronger than the first half, and he says he's especially proud of the last three episodes. So I'm, I'm curious what the second half of the season looks like knowing that, because I've enjoyed this first half. And if more, uh, if we get more stories like this one, um, then uh, I, I'm going to be very content with the rest of it. More than content, I'm going to be very happy with the, the show for the rest of its run.
2: I just want to take whatever you said about this episode and paste it to what I was trying to say <laughs> about this episode because I agree. I agree hundred percent. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I, I tend to agree too that the its great strength was it didn't offend me. <laughs> so, so.
2: Well, uh, that's, a, uh, that's a crazy shot. How <laughs> <laughs> <That's> like...
3: <laughs> is it the Vulcans put
2: it? Most satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> satisfactory.
0: I'm just going to go um, ahead and. I give, love the title. What do you, you
2: guys think of the title? It's very next generation.
0: Oh, Cupid's Errant Arrow. And yeah, yeah, also T O S E. Yeah, we really yeah. have like Greek mythology in there. It's yeah. kind of like kind of on the nose. It's like, um, it's not. Especially clever, but uh, I I just like seeing the titles on screen. In, like, I just like seeing style. the word "errant" <laughs> written.
3: <laughs> I, I, I think it's just the, the the way it sounds. Errant arrow goes yeah. together well. I'm sure that was the selling point for the title.
0: But it's, it's kind of a tongue twister if you say it a lot. Cupid's errant arrow. Cupid's errant arrow. Cupid's errant <laughs> arrow. It's kind of hard to get out there. Um, but no, we're going to go ahead and just kind of like talk about it, uh, kind of scene by scene. Uh, this episode like didn't have a teaser, so it's just, it starts with the credits. Yeah. Like the counter at Farpoint, and a couple of, of disco episodes have done that, and then into the story. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to give the uh, the official synopsis and then kind of expand on it with spoilers to summarize the episode.
2: It'd be funny if it's like the original series. This episode was actually quote unquote filmed as the pilot, but they aired <laughs> it as the fifth episode, what and that's why, that's why it, that's it doesn't have an opening credit
0: sequence, right? <laughs> But Tindy is already like on the ship here and she wasn't <laughs> That's true.
2: <laughs> That's true. Never mind. I
0: <laughs> fail.
3: <laughs> Though the number of TV series I've seen where the episode that was intended to be broadcast first wasn't the one first one filmed is surprisingly <laughs> large. So, yeah.
0: <coughs> Firefly. All right. Here we go. Back to Lower Decks. <laughs> Mariner is suspicious of Boimler's new girlfriend. Tindy and Rutherford grow jealous of a bigger starship's gear. And just to expand on that with spoilers, uh, basically Mariner goes on a paranoid crusade to out Boimler's girlfriend as an alien imposter of some kind or being mind controlled with some nefarious purpose. And uh, Rutherford and uh, Tindy go on an adventure because they're impressed by the I guess it's like a kind of a tricorder, but better It's the T-88. The T88. Um, well, what is it
2: actually? It, I've, do we know what? I don't remember those from like TNG, maybe in the films. Are there like things that engineers use that look the like diagnostic tool? Diagnostic there tools? was
3: something. There was a tool that looked like that. I'm trying to remember whether it was the movies or Next Gen that had it, though. What it looks um, like to there me was is a, like
2: a scanner at Target. Like they're like skiing. You know, uh, that's what it kind of looks no, like. No, they, so. they had
3: something like that. In one of, I remember one of the engineers messing around with it. The, it was kind of just a random prop that they waved over some things. But I do remember there was something like that now that I think about it. And I'm trying to remember if it was like some scene from one of the Star Trek the 23rd century films, or if it was something in the next generation, but it looked a yeah, little like it, that.
2: I have it in my subconscious too, somewhere. It's like if it field f- it felt familiar for sure.
3: But yeah, it seemed to run diagnostics on things on some level. So I guess it just is really it, it's designed to scan and test isolinear chips, and you just point them they at were the using chips. It on, yeah, the I would assume you, on the Jeffries too. Yeah, oh, yeah there's some
2: it, medical applications for it too. Well, she felt every, like she could like 10d.
3: Everything on a starship is uh, run by isolinear chips in the twenty fourth century. True. So if you had something that was really good at 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 checking, and of course I'm sure medical equipment needs to be checked regularly because you don't want to kill somebody, you know. So it probably has very strict, rigid, and uh, in depth diagnostics that need to be performed. All and checked I know off. is I
2: want one. I want a T eighty eight. I just like I
3: just like have to have the
0: target pricing gun. Yeah. Do oh,
3: yeah, you exactly. ac- Starfleet boy? Do you actually have any isolinear chips to run diagnostics on? No, no. <laughs> I missed out. I got the coasters, but I didn't get the
2: isolinear chips that come along with the <laughs> No, I wish I really did. I
3: actually have two isolinear chips. One oh, no. I ordered from Etsy, and the other one I got from uh, the Star Trek Experience in Las Vegas. So.
2: That's very good. Do you also have isolinear rods? I just have to know.
3: No, just the two (laughs) chips.
2: (laughs) I actually got the (laughs) second one
3: because I lost the first one and it annoyed me. So I went and got another Um, one and then I finally found the other, but anyway, we're off topic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, like the mission they're doing with the USS Vancouver. They're trying to implode a moon before it, its orbit decays and it, uh, falls onto the, the planet that it orbits and, what do y'all think about the USS Vancouver? I me as a ship guy, I loved this design. I want to know who designed it. I love the introduction of it kind of like literally overshadowing the Cerritos. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like why the Cerritos has such a perfect design looking like this TNG era kit bash because when you do see like a cool sleek advanced looking starship like the Vancouver, it uh the the juxtaposition totally works you know visually you understand exactly the kind of the pecking order of the fleet we have like this top dog ship and like the little yeah. dumb one the cerritos
2: <laughs> i feel like i feel like they're also like generationally connected because first of all the vancouver is awesome and i want an eagle moss model of it but i also Me want too. one of the of the cerritos but but now i'm i am fir- i at first i thought the cerritos was like Probably created around the time of the galaxy class, but now because of this episode and what they were kind of saying about how old she is, I'm wondering if she predates the galaxy class, uh, starships and she's a little older and this ship, the Vancouver, the, the parliament class is the current iteration of, you know, that design, uh, philosophy,
3: no, that's possible. Yeah, uh, uh, this looks like
0: sovereign class era, like first contact or later. Yeah, later. I mean, yeah, with yeah. the
2: with the two bizar- that split bizarre connect- collector and that shape, it's very
0: familiar to that.
3: You're right. Yeah, the arrowhead kind of thing going on on the top of the saucer, the pointy. Yeah, uh, and the only thing uh,
0: that. That looks weird to me is the the windows on the pylons are a little out of control and then the uh that can't be a bridge window because it is gigantic. only
2: only That's because high of high recency high. bias the enterprise uh in tos has windows on the pylons no joke when you when you watch where when you watch um uh what are little girls made of you'll see fathery that there are windows on the pylons of the original, there are, they there, certainly
3: so. look like Windows. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I will say, nice. I I would add a guess would say that that little yellow thing at the where at the front of where you would expect to find the bridge is probably the navigational deflector. I guess unless it has one mounted no, there's underneath. A deflector on the belly. There is one. Uh, well, it yeah. could be a. They put secondary deflectors on these ships sometimes. True. Too. But is that a window bridge?
2: (laughs) I don't know. They're all window bridge. I don't know. No, but they
0: didn't used to be. The bridge could be anywhere on the ship. It didn't matter. (laughs) Let's talk about the interior of the ship. I thought it was kind of a, a funny end joke how they made it look like it could have been a set redressing of the
3: cerritos oh interior. is that yeah. what's going on yeah okay totally i was yeah. i was thinking why are they making such a big deal it looks exactly the same as the other <laughs> ship yeah. but but that was the joke okay i get it that they were supposed to be a repainted set nice <laughs> i love the
2: vancouver though it's such a cool ship. it is a really yeah. cool ship. i
0: I would, I would like to serve on that ship um we yeah, spend most of the episode on the vancouver there's uh, hardly any time spent on the cerritos uh but we we meet the captain of the ship and i don't think it ever says her name if anyone caught her name let me know i didn't. i watched it like four times already i've watched this episode the most times of any Whoa. of them and i didn't
2: catch i didn't catch it no i was really fa- this is part of why i was really fascinated by this episode is the the little the science fictiony like concept was really yeah. cool and i would I've have been
3: yeah. yeah, how do you? What exactly are they do? Did they ever explain how they're going to implode it? Short of using, say, red matter, it's <laughs> not. There it was gravitational platforms, whatever. Right, and so, they seem
2: to create like some kind of force field around the moon, and then there was some kind of like, like energy, energy beam. resonance beam or something like that that like sh- like caused the moon to implode, and then it became uh, a ring around the planet at the end, which was really cool. <laughs> so this yeah. planet gained a ring at the very end, and that, I thought that was awesome.
3: Yeah, I like I the guess, visuals of that. Yeah, I just didn't quite. I mean, it sounded more like implode was chosen because it would look cool on screen than because it actually made any sense. If it's I think a you're hundred
2: percent right on that, but yeah, it's if it's still, a big I, I, of war, I let them go, I let it go. <laughs> uh, I, I think
3: implode
0: might also imply a little bit more control than explode, and makes it sound a little bit more like a controlled demolition of a structure. Yeah. It's you certainly to like,
3: want to make it a controlled demolition, that's yeah. for sure <laughs> like, they, like when they implode buildings
0: oh that's really yeah. cool to
2: to compare it to a controlled demolition of a building. That's an interesting yeah. concept. I love that that you actually just made yeah. me um appreciate it's the that difference even being more. that buildings are
3: hollow, <laughs> so that there's a space for everything to collapse into and Moons are traditionally not hollow.
2: <laughs> when you're dealing with uh, quantum technology, which we do in Star Trek, there's a lot of space in between those atoms. So kind of the moon could kind of implode in ways, you know, you could create a partial singularity or. Some oh, yeah, we'll oh, just stuff put like a black that, you know, hole like... in orbit
3: of your planet that will rapidly convert all the mass into gamma radiation and kill everyone on that side of the no, planet. There's
0: no red matter. There's no red matter used in this episode.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I was thinking it's awfully early for red matter, I got the idea of red matter with some uh, new special stuff and this is still several years before (laughs) that so yeah
0: um but what i liked is they're doing this humanitarian mission and it it, they get very like tng-ish with having to figure out all the diplomacy and how to like satisfy all these different parties when we we meet the inhabitants of this world um you have like the uh, religious people who are like, uh, don't implode the moon. We worship the moon. And then you have like the woman who's like, we all, our gener- generations of our family has lived on the moon. And then you have the, the farmers who are like, oh, the, well, we need the moon to control the tide for our Uh, you know seasonal farming and and then the the best one that made me laugh out loud was the conspiracy theorist who said (laughs) the moon's orbit can't decay that's just something the government makes up to control us (laughs) i feel like
2: wasn't and isn't that eugene cordero who plays rutherford doing the voice for that character is i think that's generally what everyone's saying
0: yeah uh i i think i I picked that up somewhere but yeah that was funny and strangely relevant this episode would have you know been produced before the uh or at least written before the covid pandemic yes uh, took on took to, or took off and where there's all like these g5 towers causing a virus and maybe yes. that's tied into uh q and satanic child molesters and i don't know just yeah <laughs> no. shit. This, this is a realistic reaction to to something like this <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I have to admit, I probably would have been thinking these. This is a bit silly before we moved into the world of COVID, and now I'm like, yeah, that's that's exactly how it goes. People yeah. are worried about the tides and their crops. Well, their entire planet is going to be destroyed. So that, that's how it works.
0: <laughs> how do y'all feel about Captain Freeman in this episode? And we'll talk more about like her diplomacy later. But I I just really like them giving me a reason to kind of like her. I like showing yeah, her be hundred percent stuff. Like, yeah. I can understand why they would send this diplomat to, you know, like go to the peace talks on Cardassia prime. Like this is the first time the show is like really like shown her to be like, a you know, really efficient at something, really good at something that yeah. Starfleet well, captain would, would be responsible for.
3: She does like to sweat the details. And uh, <laughs> this is certainly something where you need to be able to throw every little faction, their own little bone. So um, I suppose that, that, that probably collates pretty well. So <laughs> Um, and it was nice to I, see that I yes, she's got some reason for being a Starfleet captain, and the way they kind of make a mockery of the next gen by having her just spew out a whole bunch of stuff to wrap up all these things, <laughs> and and you feel like yeah, that would have been like the whole episode in TNG, yeah. but but, but we're, we we got stuff to do, so she just unloads it all like a machine gun and and gets yeah, rid I, almost I'll talk all about the that when
0: we get to that part. Yeah, I really that. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, Boimler excited to see his girlfriend... (laughs) kind of <laughs>
2: speaking of Canada, it's kind of funny that her his girlfriend is serving on a ship named after a a city and a place in Canada yeah. uh because most people who make up girlfriends they're always in Canada. It was pretty funny <laughs> I <had> not <laughs> got that no. i just i that's i felt like it was hilarious. it's like my girlfriend serves in the on you yeah. know on the Vancouver you know I have a <laughs> Where is <she> Vancouver. <laughs>
3: when i hear vancouver i always think that's where they film all those tv series for cheap but i don't they
0: never actually did
3: a star trek there did they
0: uh Star Trek Beyond. Uh, they shot a lot
2: of that. Oh,
3: oh okay. So nice. one one Star Trek movie was shot in Vancouver. So
2: mm-hmm. I'm glad Star Trek Five was actually shot at Yosemite, right? <laughs> <It's>
3: like, <laughs> um, I
2: think it, at least, anyways, we think we have parts of it. There was a lot yeah. of stuff that
3: was clearly a set with some fake trees. But. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: Um, I also, if those that are watching this instead of listening, uh, you you can see like I, I have like that. Deflector that uh we were talking about earlier oh, yeah. on the belly of the Vancouver. That's a lovely it's shot. A, yeah. It's a lovely shot. It's a beautiful ship, and our characters get to uh go on board it and Mariner actually makes the joke of like, why are you all excited? This looks uh just like the Cerritos. <laughs> <laughs> kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit there. <laughs>
3: No, now now I want to rewatch it. Now that I know there's this gag about all the sets are supposed to be recycled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, do of, uh, what do y'all think of the uh, guest star herself? Loved her. uh, she was dating, great. Dating kinda uh, Lieutenant
2: Barb.
3: Barb, a, a <laughs> Barb, how do y'all like Barb? Uh, she worked well. I I thought. I mean, they because all the odds are stacked against her being normal that they, they can get away with just playing her as ultra normal and, Amazing, and, yeah. uh and, and, and get it, And it still works. Uh, I think she might've been a little in a different context. She might've been a bit bland, but, but in this context, she, she works great because that's the whole point. Like, like the impossible girl from Dr. Who, there's nothing really weird about her, but um, I want,
2: I want a Geordie LaBerre teddy bear, by the way, I want a Geordie Teddy Bear. <laughs> Hi PJ. <laughs>
1: yeah, we uh, have, we have yeah, to do a new guest. We have to do the- <laughs> yes, the fake girlfriend from Canada. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking of Canada, we have a Canadian, but he's on the like the opposite side.
1: Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the other side of the country. PJ, uh, did you see the poutine <laughs> in the mess hall? I did notice somebody pointed that out afterwards. That's what you're Jed is eating it. Yeah. Jed's eating the poutine, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, in the uh, comments, uh, Pastel Pirate <laughs> says that the uh, Jordy teddy bear uh, should be sold at Build-A-Bear. Uh,
2: yes, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Look at Jordy LeBear. Oh my God. Jordy is the
3: <laughs> Look at Jer- I actually Jordy have. have- Right next to my Isolinear chips, actually, a a little Star Trek teddy bear it doesn't have a visor though, but it is wearing a yellow shirt and it is a TNG shirt. So, oh my
2: gosh, you just need a visor for it. it's easy yeah, to make I, a little just, visor. I you just need, just need the just visor. So.
3: I I made a Starfleet uniform for my Gizmo too back when I was a kid. But <laughs> uh, what era of of Starfleet was it?
0: Uh, TOS. So it was a blue talk science about, officer uniform. Gizmo from uh, from the 1984 motion picture classic Gremlins. Yep, that's Just, it. <laughs> okay, uh, so when we see Barb uh, reunite with Boimler, uh, yeah, Mariner is like freaked out by like how into him that she is. But there's also a little bit of foreshadowing. If you've already seen this episode, when she's like, "Oh, it feels so good to be near you," like you know, we uh, we later learn that like she's under the control of the the pheromones
1: from the parasite. Yeah, no, she's kind of yeah. sniffing him at first when she first yeah. meets him.
3: Does it but, actually make sense that she'd want to continue the relationship when they're on different ships and apart for so long? And the pheromones are not—you know—wouldn't she get you know interested in other more more complimentary guys? I guess it's just like some badass pheromones. is like like just like one sniff of it, and you're you're hooked. I guess, yeah. uh, What was the trick (laughs) for breaking the the tears in uh, the the original series episode with the magic tears? Oh, in uh, Elaine of Troyes? Yeah, that one. What was the trick for breaking that? Was was it a drug, or did they have to get mad or sad or something?
0: Yeah, whatever it was, it's just not good. (laughs) Uh, But we also get the character Jet, who uh, modern internet culture, I think, refers to... Uh, w- or or would refer to Jet as a Chad.
2: I've never heard of that before. You got it too old. School me. Please yeah. explain.
0: Yeah, I, school me. <laughs> uh, but no, like like the Chad is like the uh, like the meme of like, you'll have like a, a big buff, like Jet looking guy. And um, it's like, oh, like this person is the Chad. And then it'll have like some like dweeby dork looking uh guy like maybe like boimler and it's like that guy's the virgin and it's like I I remember, like i don't know like if, if you're talking if you're like some redneck talking about like your truck and you're like yeah like chevy is better than ford you'd be like chevy is like the chad and then like ford <laughs> is that a is
2: bill the- and ted thing though because it wasn't chad like someone on- <laughs> i don't know i'm not remembering right I don't but I- all i remember is the hanging chads florida was responsible for that so <laughs> that's all i no. <laughs> and you should feel
3: responsible. You should.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> a jock says pastel pirate. I get. I got it. I figured it out. Pastel pirate. Thank you.
0: <laughs> it's kind of cliche to have like oh like the really good looking ex boyfriend around and being all jealous about it, but it kind of gives Boimler something different to do. I thought it was like a little bit more interesting than most of his plots have been this season so far. This reminded
1: yeah. me of an episode of Big Bang Theory where uh, I forget their names, but you know the skinny dude with the mushroom cut. He marries the the blonde girl, the short blonde girl.
0: Yeah, Leonard and Penny.
1: No, 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 the other ones.
0: Oh, uh, um, Howard and Howard. Uh, Chad We're, is a good-looking dude.
1: Yeah. Howard, Howard, and right girl, here. Howard and his girlfriend, anyway. <laughs> but there's an episode where uh, Howard meets her ex, and he's like a really big dude big good looking dude and he's just, he feels so inferior and like gets really jealous. And I'm like, as soon as I saw this episode, I thought of that episode of Big Bang Theory. Very yeah. similar. That's it's it's kind of an old trope. And <laughs> it is yeah. kind of, like,
0: trying to get tired of actually,
3: because I'm like, <laughs> well, I thought well, I had a similar reaction in that. I was like, the, the actually both of them are very old tropes, but I don't know if I'd ever seen them layered. The, the, um, oh no, that girl, you, that person who's, you think is into you is actually mu- a, a mind control zombie pod person, whatever, that gimmick. <laughs> and then we've got the, oh no, she's going to go back to her ex boyfriend because he's so much cooler than me and now he's back in the picture uh-huh. trope. And by putting the two together, they managed to squeeze a little bit of freshness out of what our that, two family be ties.
0: Because I, yeah, I, I, I like these reused ideas more than I thought I would, so I I think you might be on something.
3: I think it's the friction between them, like they're both, Boimler and uh, um, Mariner are upset and worried and stressed out about the situation, but for wildly different reasons and pulling in wildly different directions, which gives it a bit more oomph. It it
0: creates a conflict between the two of them, because Boimler is worried about Chad, and Mariner is like, no, you should be worried about Barb, and and he's like, no, you should leave her alone, and it it creates like another level of drama there between the two of them.
3: Yeah, Mariner
0: calls
2: uh, Mariner calls uh, Jet the second coolest person on the Cerritos, which I oh, thought yeah. was funny. He <laughs> the coolest, obviously. Yeah. She's the obviously she's the
1: coolest, right? <laughs> Do you think we'll see more Jet in future episodes? This was or so, is so just gross.
2: Like a one like rapid fire uh, kissing that they were doing.
0: <laughs> Sorry well uh mariner was also like not into seeing the two of them kiss and i liked seeing her be concerned about boimler like she felt like a genuine friend uh more in this episode than ever before And i don't explain why she was so worried about this with like her her
3: flashback
1: but but it's also very very insulting that she just she doesn't believe any woman would be attracted to him.
3: Well, this I is Mariner. That. Very insulting, especially with Boimler, yeah. is her default setting.
1: Yeah, uh, Boimler
2: is always yeah. trying to prove himself. Earlier yeah. in the cargo bay, when they kissed for the first time, he's like, did you see that? We kissed. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, He's like, he's like did, you want, did you see that? Did you yeah. notice? So Boimler's not so like, you know, there's something going on. There's like some kind of competition between, or like protective competition. I think it's like
0: an insecurity, which yeah. is, like, yeah. I would like to see this character grow out of it. Because I think that's a good... It's a good story that I'd yeah, like to yeah. see the show tell over like a long arc about like yeah. uh, you can overcome your insecurities and be like a confident and happier person.
3: Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned uh, Mariner being upset and worried about Boimler, Bemler, Boimler. Boimler, Boimler but it, <laughs> you, got it, you got it right. You got yeah, it right? Um, okay. I like um, Bremler. <laughs> um, is that she doesn't just, isn't just, oh, well, I need to make sure he doesn't get his fa- face hugged. She's actively like in points where she thinks he's walking into danger and she's not around to protect him, she gets actually really stressed out. Yes. Yeah. She loses she she more than just trying to keep him alive. She literally loses her cool. And uh which which hints at a a lot stronger feelings, uh not necessarily romantic, but certainly a lot stronger feelings than she normally even wants to hint at. And Uh, that's
2: all because of that parasite, right? Like that's why it's the pheromones that it was like creating. It made women crazy for him.
0: I don't think that's (laughs) what it was. I don't think it was like a uh, a sexual thing. I think no, like she's just like they're just they've become friends, and she's like legitimately right. worried about like her shipmate and her friend.
2: I'm just saying yeah. the parasite uh, probably heightened that to a new level too because well, she was nuts, you know. But like, yeah.
3: We've <laughs> seen her in other dangerous situations, very dangerous situations, and she doesn't lose her cool. But here um, she lost her cool, which yeah. either is sloppy writing or is in, indicati- indicative of, of things that we maybe haven't had explicitly stated on the show yet.
1: Well, they do say that the parasite uh, affects potential mates like I I thought it was like something where it would it would attract somebody who would kind of be attracted to you anyway, but just heightens it. So like it probably wouldn't work for Mariner, but now like what you're saying, Brian, maybe the parasite kind of heightened her attraction for him, and she didn't quite realize or that her protective because, instincts.
2: because that's like a lover. Some some relationships yeah. are like that where they're a little more like you know one one partner tends to be protective of the other and things like that. So even if it's not a romantic necessarily relationship, but there, I think, I think there's a case that could be made for them building a slight text, sexual tension between the two of them as well. And maybe I think there are, Maybe okay. she's
1: in love with him and she just doesn't know it yet. Know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the parasite,
0: kind of... the parasite, when we meet the parasite definitely seemed to only have eyes for Barb. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yes. It, you know that the, the, these, these space aliens they're always like the blondes so oh
2: my god that was the be- the best everyone's posting that shot that you just passed yeah. by with the would do do space yeah, i'll with. talk about that in a second i just i just
0: want to point out that uh i loved mariner saying the line if a starfleet romance seems too good to be true it probably is <laughs> <laughs> you watch star trek which there are a lot of a lot of episodes that back up that claim is like a little it's bit of like self awareness the show. Like I mean, like she's like a history buff. I get like she knows all about like uh, Kirk. She knows all about like Picard's crew. Like you know all those all those things that we've seen. Uh, One
2: where, might say she has an encyclopedic knowledge of.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, she has the Star Trek <laughs> of the history
0: of Star
1: by Michael and Denise <laughs> <It's Akuda. true. laughs>
0: Yeah, let's talk about like her <clears> flashback <throat> to the keto. I loved this so much. Uh, Just the the few seconds of seeing this uh, deep space nine station on screen. uh, I got to just like nerd out about this for a second. I I remember exactly (laughs) where I was as a, a little teenager in 1999, watching the series finale of deep space nine. And that last shot of the station as the camera is pulling away. And like, I knew it was about to end and I didn't want it to. And just like, cutting to the credits and knowing, okay, like I'll never see that station again. Uh. Like seeing it here. It was just like, like returning home, returning back to that place (laughs) where I grew up with Jake and Nog and like my, my favorite star Trek show. I loved
3: this so much i i do at the moment it came on my reaction was ah oh, father he's gonna be so happy yeah. <laughs> that was my reaction to that shot his
0: father is gonna be so I, happy. I liked it so much i didn't even notice the keto being an olympic class star <laughs> is this technically
2: the first uh, official like the not in-world appearance of the of the olympic class because technically right isn't this the first time we're seeing it in world in a star trek show
0: First canonical use of it outside
3: all good things, alternate future.
0: Yeah.
2: Very cool. I yeah, hadn't
3: realized it, I I thought it showed up in the background on on Voyager or something with the, when know, they I
0: think it might have shown up on like an gram or something at some ah, point. Right. Be wrong. Yeah. I,
2: I don't know. Yeah. She's still she was still an ensign uh back. Yeah. So maybe she never leveled up. She's or she demoted. got demoted. Oh, that's, that's, right, that's
0: right. That's but right. I don't like seeing her in like the big hair, and also just seeing like the black <laughs> and gray uniforms, those first contact DS nine uniforms.
2: And are, there's a little controversy online about something being off continuity wise. Did you guys catch the, any of that? Well, I couldn't.
0: People, I didn't have time people, to investigate. People are concerned about they're describing the events of like Data's. Uh, Brother teaming up with the Borg, which happened yeah. in Next Generation Episodes Descent Parts 1 and season 2. Seven. It, yeah, it would open air. Like uh, 2369 or early 2370, because it was the season yeah. six and season seven premiere yeah. and finale. Um, right. And this uniform wouldn't have been introduced until like three years later. Oh, but like three and a
3: half years, actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to like the time of first
0: contact or the episode Rapture on DS9. But yeah. I, I just look at it as like, well, apparently, like, the news of that might have been classified or something like it didn't get out until now, you know? Yeah,
1: how long, you, how long ago do you think this was? Because it can't be 10 years ago. No, Is I it, think it was
3: like five years earlier, yeah, maybe. Okay. Hmm. I suppose it's possible that. If first contact had just happened, everyone's talking about the Borg again. And so somebody else, you know, the, the old Borg right. stories might be getting spread around again to people who hadn't heard them the first time around. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um if I yes I guess, guess, I, everything I just, you said is plausible because certainly there's real life ex- examples of like things from three years ago being declassified or whatever, and then or just
3: out. something yeah. happens and suddenly memes from three years ago that are relevant again are suddenly circulating, and you see okay. a bunch of people seeing them for the first like, time, like
2: uh, uh like the Captain Kirk holding that special rock in the
3: episode. <laughs> You know like, <laughs> what are little girls made of <laughs> I, I assume you're paying fathery e for these commercials <laughs> uh, I, did, I did like seeing some of Mariner's
0: backstory even though we didn't get much of it I think this might be a hint that we're gonna see more flashbacks into her past and it also like kind of gave her uh, a more interesting motivation uh, seeing like some of the trauma she went through and and you know, kind of explaining. I I think that explains why she has like that added layer of concern for, for Boimler. But the, the show always has like crazy action in the animation. They, they, they're definitely utilizing the animated medium to, uh, this transformation is great. I love it. I love his face right there.
2: like that.
0: that This guy, Nico, he was in love with the Starfleet officer, Angie Mariner's friend. And he just has like this horrific, uh, metamorphosis (laughs) metamorphosis <laughs> and devours and uh, her. <laughs>
2: Look at the... Oh my gosh. Alexandra Sandu, welcome. And no, we're not debating that. We're debating whole new things and we actually might have solved it. So you're late to the party. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's funny. They've, Look all at got, t- they've all got T2 okay. phasers on them. That, that seems to indicate perhaps during the Dominion yeah. War that when no. they tended no. to carry phasers around in That's bars not- a lot more often. Yeah.
0: Around twenty three seven. Are, that's not that Quarks bar though, right? I think I think they are on board the uh, keto, even though it's docked at DS9. Oh gotcha, okay. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mariner has her, her her motivation there and uh I, I like all the stuff of her like sneaking around in the background. I, I think this is supposed to be uh the, the next scene that we get with with Boimler and Barb, I think that's supposed to be uh, stellar cartography, but they—I don't think they actually say that out loud. Uh, but when he goes in there to like talk to his girlfriend, we see like Mariner sneak in the background, and there's like a bunch of shots of her just like lurking around. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
3: no, the uh, I, I did begin to—I hadn't quite realized. The, the complexity of the orb- orbital dynamics until I saw that and then realized yeah that that actually would be really hard because if you remove that one moon or just move it to a different place everything else is going to change in that in that orbital system and that is actually even if you have the power to remove moons which I'm not quite sure where Starfleet got that um, the the it, it isn't necessarily a slam dunk in this case because there's so many problems that could be caused by moving that moon in the wrong way at the wrong speed at the wrong time so i appreciated the 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 complexity of that justified everyone spending so much time trying to solve the problem uh
0: uh, boimler makes that dumb dad joke that we've all heard about uh someone mentioned the word debris and he makes (laughs) cheese but he's supposed to be like the corny guy like (laughs) we have a mariner uses like the tricorder to try to prove that that she's an android and that doesn't work That's Such a good gag it's like the the sound wave like yeah. <laughs> we also see more like boimler being jealous of jet in this sequence because because jet is working with her with barb poor boims look at him <laughs> And uh, yeah, Mariner has like, like that crazy conspiracy theory board, which I'll go over this in the Gorn eggs because there are a shitload here. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure if I picked up on all of them, um, but uh, I, it was it made me laugh. Also, like Boimler's dialogue with her about like um, uh, what he says something like like quit trying to prove someone is something they're not, and then uh, oh by the way, now I've got to go like act real cool and like not act like myself so that uh. So that <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like this contradicts what he said, but what do y'all think about like uh, Boimler's like cool kid outfit? I want to cosplay as this. This, so is, my
1: favorite, this is my favorite part of the episode. Him going okay. in here and like he moonwalks over to the replicator. I'm like, like it's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's so <laughs> So I was looking back to the future part two, future uh, 2015 outfit in my mind. Yeah. Is oh, there is supposed
3: there. to be some sort of reference <laughs> to let this be your last battlefield with the light shirt and the dark shirt going on there right and That'll left? Oh, interesting. I, I think so, so, yeah. yeah,
1: Maybe. Maybe. Probably.
0: I think it's supposed to be like one half is like a high school letterman jacket and the other half is like a leather jacket for yeah. like a motorcycle or something. So, and then yeah. like Mr. T gold chains. It's very 80s-ish. <laughs> It has, like, strong, like, 80s vibes. And I, I liked when he runs into the... Or when he walks into the mess hall, you see Rutherford and Tindy run across the background. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like storyline, kind of a B story in a minute. But, yeah, uh, PJ, like you were saying, like, when he does, like, the moonwalk to the replicator, uh, that made me that made me laugh. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then we have Mariner sneaking into the background when he's replicating his beer
1: she rolls in
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of cartoony i take that back it's very cartoony oh, no. I, I, like, it's I like i like oh, yeah. the energy to it it just it, it worked for me all this stuff is is really working here and uh the pj there's like your national food uh sitting on jet's table i'd
2: right? <laughs> I, I love me some poutine I love it too. I feel like having some right now actually. It's so yeah, good. well it's a uh,
0: it's a Canadian ship apparently. <laughs> unless it's named after Vancouver, Washington.
2: It's a Canadian themed one. Do you think no one else has the, the poutine recipe
0: in all of Starfleet? Like is uh, that,
3: is
0: that, <laughs> is that <laughs> <laughs> here in Austin, Texas makes me think that it would be fairly common in the future as well.
1: <laughs> I would like to see a Canadian or Parliament class ship where somebody's like jigs dinner hot. Cause that's like a that's like a East Coast Canada kind of thing. What is a jig's dinner? Jig's dinner is like potatoes, turnip, and, and salt beef, and really so unha- really that's unhealthy stuff. Hmm? Is that a newfie thing? Oh, mostly a newfie thing,
0: yeah. But other people do it. There needs to be a USS St. John's, and everyone has like that uh, that Newfoundland accent. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be so great.
1: You could be the captain of it, TJ. And they'd all be—they'd all use the holodeck to go fishing. <laughs> Were you guys surprised that it's the
2: Parliament class and not like the Canada class, or not like a, a problem? Well, par- like the province. Parliament
1: makes sense because we can—we do have a Parliament. So. have a Parliament. Yeah, true. I, I love it. I love the Vancouver. I think it I looks better the than the Zorritos.
0: It, well, yeah, yeah. No, it's great it's, it's a beautiful 100%. design i want to know who designed it uh i, I think it might have been john eves just because he's done a lot of the a uh, lot of the stuff for the newer shows lately but I, i'll be curious to find out i i also love when uh mariner sneaks up behind uh barb mm-hmm. after boimler spills his beer on her and pisses her off and then mariner is like cutting off a piece of her hair i guess to do like a dna test and mm-hmm. she turns around like i think she says what the fuck did you just pull my hair and then Mariner turns around to that alien crew member <laughs> and is like, yeah, did you just pull her hair? <laughs> and it's that same alien that we don't know what they are yet.
2: Yeah, that's we where we get the citizen
3: <laughs> yeah. court-martial line, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I don't know why, but that made me laugh hard. Citizen court-martial. <laughs> um, the,
0: but yeah, like this alien, like we've seen, I think, a couple members of his species on board uh, the Cerritos. Well, I guess they're on the Vancouver here, but... Uh, he has like a cat hand and he has like these weird, like, I don't know, like fish whiskers on his face. Um, we don't know the name of that species, but it's something created for lower decks. Uh, they, they, they show several of these crew members over the course. The inspiration
2: for the tabloid Bat Boy, those Bat Boys on those old tabloid <laughs> Bat
3: Girls, whatever. Did Jet actually trip Boimler? I think it was an accident. Okay, because yeah. it's definitely a yellow boot that trips him. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, like, there's this Boymler like uh, trying to act cool, but actually like
3: making a jackass out of himself.
2: I'm gonna try really hard to find those pink sunglasses. Those are amazing.
3: <laughs> I, I like how, too. in hindsight, she gets Barbara gets so upset. That even it's overriding the pheromones, that she's really just had it with this guy. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, like, he, uh, but she was still into it. She was like, You showed up looking all sexy, yeah. and you, yeah, she does say
2: that. It's true. <laughs> she's like, And then you just freaked out, or something like and that. That, it was
0: that really... dials up Mariner's concern because she's like, No one could have thought that was sexy. What the hell is going
1: on here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poor Boimler, man. He's just like, I, I almost wanted this episode to be where Mariner thought that this there was something up, but it turns out she genuinely genuinely was attracted to him, but because he was so jealous of Jet and tried to change himself, she broke up with him for that reason. That's not how it turned out, but that's what I thought would happen. Well, that's a good moral too. That's a, the yeah. moral
0: of the story of like being yourself. Uh, but instead, like yeah, she runs off uh, with Jet. She leaves the mess all pissed off at Boimler, and when he goes to try to apologize, he hears what he believes are sex noises uh, <laughs> coming from one of the shuttlecraft. Yeah. Uh, the the show has been pretty tame, all things considered, with kind of like the level of like adult humor. Um, this is the one of the more like risque things that I think the show has done so far. But I mean, I'm fine with it. It's just. I, I hear, like, that criticism from kind of, like, the adult swim, uh, you know, adult comedy cartoon crowd. They think, like, the show kind of comes off as tame compared to what they're used to. And I also hear, like, some Star Trek people say that it's, like, oh, it goes, like, a little too, it's too carried away with some of its humor. Um, So I, I think that's an interesting...
1: Uh, this was a threes Company moment. This is Mr. Furley uh, <laughs> hearing something, you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: There it's are like, lots of know, sitcom this, tropes in this series. Like this. But- yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then she gets pissed off that he's like accusing
0: her of cheating, and I love Mariner sneaking into the shuttle bay here. And uh, <laughs> when when Boimler is apologizing to her and like he's finally like calmed her down and she's kind of forgiving him, then we get the craziest thing Mariner has done so far when she accidentally like pulls down, or I guess purposefully pulls down. <laughs> Barb's pants you know, to reveal her what she thought would be like a rectoid, yeah, yeah. rectoid tail. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I think Boimler is going to get some tail, but not the type Mariner thought. So. Not the kind that she was worried about.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah, so Boimler is
0: kind of like had it, and so he's going to run off to the, to the orbital platform with... <laughs>
3: With Barb, so they can have. I I did like the wait. Your name is Barb. uh, Line about the Barb tail. Uh. She's so like deranged with with
0: fear and concern and paranoia at this point. I guess (laughs) she doesn't connect any dots. This is when she gets like her first like legit uh, indication of of like cause for for alarm, cause for concern with the the husk. So I guess that now that the the parasite has figured out that it's going to get some at like like shed its skin and like grew to like a grew its exoskeleton or something <laughs> like to prepare for the the, the mating process <laughs> because Somebody. they can't really like show what's going on here because it would give away the reveal because at this point like we don't know who the parasite is <laughs> uh, so they, they had to keep like that maintain that mystery and drop a clue at the same time uh, it works well enough though in my opinion what do y'all think
3: Oh, I thought it, I thought it worked very well as far as raising the stakes, um, and, and saying, well, maybe something is going on, or maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe there's some other explanation for that. Hustle.
2: I was I was ge- genuinely surprised that it was. I I was suspecting Barbara all along, so I like that aspect of it too, where it kind of like tricked me into thinking, you know, oh yeah, there is something up with Barbara. We're gonna find out that Barbara's like some kind of salt vampire or something like that. You know, like <laughs> she references it earlier, but then it tricks you, and then you find out that it's a parasite and I was wondering what from the trailer, what that little guy was. And it was cool to find out like what he finally was. It was cool.
3: And, I mean, I guess we have to give points to Mariner. She does correctly address uh, ID that there is something wrong with the situation. She just targets uh, – focuses on the wrong part of it Person, to solve yeah. the problem. <laughs> but her instincts are not wrong. There is something off. That's so true. I guess That's we do I, have to begrudgingly give her that. So. <laughs> so
0: I want to point out in our live audience, All-Star Guru uh, is calling attention to the the way Jet backed away – uh, into the shuttle. I, th- I think he's actually, like, backing out of the shuttle. Uh, but, yeah, I, I remember uh, finding that uh, kind of humorous when they're having, like, this argument with Mariner about, like, what are you doing? Like, pulling my girlfriend's pants down the middle of the shuttle bay, and we see, like, Jet just kind of, like, sneaking away awkwardly in the background. <laughs> it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a, uh, Kelvin Star Trek uh, type of energy when Mariner is just, like, running down the corridors, and you get, like, the like the, like the action and the tension, just like the, the energy of the moment ratcheted up.
1: Yeah, but it's funny how she's just pushing people out of the way. Yes. And it, it it reminded me of a scene in Anchorman 1 where Ron Burgundy's running down the street and he's just violently just pushing people out of the way. <laughs> yeah, the
0: <they're laughs> Girl, and she's like, out of the way, Jennifer. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she knows and and Jennifer on the Vancouver because these are all like not our serious people. These are all like the Vancouver people, and um, they give us this new ship design and very generously also sneak in the uh, the acutogram schematics on the uh, master display.
3: <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I saw that and said, oh, there's a bunch of engineering nerds out there who got all excited and are going to be going frame by frame over that.
2: I think, I think you pronounced his name uh, Georgie or George. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he posted a cool shot of it today on Twitter. It was really neat.
0: And then uh, when, when she figures out that they're on the orbital platform and she runs into the um, the airlock and put on the, the EV suit and then go on the a... Scale
2: go on a... Here is- delightful i really like yeah. like the, the scale when they're when they're doing all this stuff She's, she's constant, con-
1: so on the show con- she's constantly calling him bradward 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 <laughs> okay. so i think that's going to be a, a well i'm going to call him bradward i'm going to try to call him bradward from now yeah, on because totally. in this episode she says it so many times it's almost like she's making fun of him while he's not around <laughs> like, it's not so good. she's like genuinely concerned like you hear it in
0: her voice i've never heard mariner like like Terrified, no, no, like no. oh no, like yeah. Bradward. Wait, but yeah, when she does finally catch up to him, uh, this was the the moment in the trailer that got a lot of attention. Um,
1: <laughs> oh,
0: with, uh, Star Trek's full <laughs> nudity. I it it
2: it it totally landed. <clears throat> Even though I knew this was coming, it totally landed for me. I couldn't stop laughing. It was yeah. just like such a such a dumb, stupid, funny scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew it was coming as soon as like she was like. Going over there in the EV suit because I remember her wearing that in the trailer when we saw this uh, a, a while back, but no. it still it still made me laugh. Just even though I I, I knew it was coming, <laughs> and of course you know Boimler is pissed because his sexy time is being interrupted. <laughs> uh, so. Mariner really being the cock block, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird that she has a com badge on the outside of her EV suit, but I guess they needed her to have that so that Boimler could you know, rip it off of her when yeah. she's calling for an emergency beam out. And it reminded me of the first episode. She does this to him. She pulls his comm badge off and tosses it away.
3: Oh yeah,
2: that's right. right. I so I know. like,
0: I like seeing like, uh, this is a, a Boimler that is a little bit more on the same level as Mariner. They're they're Uh, the, like the dynamic has shifted a little bit. But uh, she's, you know, telling him about the husk and I'm not sure how much of this is Boimler, how much of it is the parasite. Uh, but this is when he, he like, says
2: lover, 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 which the yeah. parasite seems to say. So I feel like that he's definitely under some sort of influence. Uh, and he's actually like, I feel like Boimler might have might be more confident uh, because of the parasite. and He'll go back to being his old oh. self after this. <laughs>
0: Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't fix them. Like Jordy got fixed that one time.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. I guess. Do we know exact? I mean, has. Lemler had the parasite the entire show so far i mean right. do we have we it's, do we actually know when it relative to the other episodes that he picked it up because um, it's been at least a month
0: i guess we would have to like look at the star dates to try to figure that out yeah uh, look at some that's your
3: homework. brian brian
1: because you're the star
0: date expert uh, that's your homework. Next, week, next week you have to come back on the show and tell us uh, how long and what episode at what point did Boimler
3: get infected with the parasite? <laughs> all right. I will look that up. I'll work that out. So
2: has any yeah, like, show delivered has any show delivered on star accuracy do you, that you oh, know of?
3: Well, DS9, TNG, and Voyager were all oh, reasonable. They were at least consistent. They they weren't there, they, none of the shows were a hundred percent, but but they were fairly consistent. But TOS
2: uh, is like a mess of star right? Like yeah, TOS
3: is, <laughs> like is TOS pretty bad. Is like-
2: I, I think Is there a starting uh, order to
3: watch it in? Uh, for TOS, I made one. You did. Yeah. Oh, please share because I feel like that's <laughs> that's the way to watch it. Well, father is going to kill me if I talk about it anymore because he hates it. But uh, yes, talk okay. to me. Uh, yeah, I can I can Facebook it. me afterwards, and I'll I'll hook you up.
2: We'll do. So, that sounds amazing. A star date <laughs> order of Tos. I cannot wait. Oh, production
3: order. <laughs> production order is the way to watch Tos. Oh, star order. <laughs> but, uh, the,
0: the gravity process or whatever they're doing uh, i don't know if it's gravity but like whatever whatever these platforms do you're right i, I didn't really think about that they don't explain it at all but uh, <laughs> whatever they're doing it, it, like like oh, it was the low atmosphere thing they said to cause stress on them but whatever it, it's basically a bumpy ride and boimler bumps his head and gets knocked out which sets up the cool another cool action beat here the fight between Barb and Mariner when when Barb finds uh, her boyfriend unconscious, uh, this weirdo who's been acting weird all this time, you know, uh, over him, and then they're both like, get away from him, and and they fight
3: out (laughs) of concern
0: for Boimler. Do you think that the parasite also got knocked out and
2: that's why they came to their senses finally? I
3: think he did get hit on the back of the head is the way way he Um, fell, so that's possible. Uh, I do... There's a part of me that, like, oh, and here's the trope: the two women are fighting each other over the man because that's how we do stories. So, <laughs> it was really well animated, though, and I liked that, like that TOS style action
0: uh, music that they had in episode three as well. I liked that they were using that. Uh, I wish <laughs> that Next Generation had a little bit more of uh, this type of energy that I think TOS had, and then we lost it in TNG. And I it- hear you.
2: I hear what you're saying. Oh, Alexandra's asking if there was ever a kind of spacewalk like the one we saw uh, Mariner do in Star Trek. I feel like the closest thing was in the Kelvin films, right? Like, But that was, like, super crazy. Oh, yeah.
1: Like,
0: it's kind of like uh, Kirk and Khan going on board the, the Vengeance in Star Trek Into the Darkness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though they had, like, a little bit more, uh, I guess, control of their flight path. But, you know, Mariner didn't have time. She didn't have time to, like, get, like, the jetpack. Like, she had to go. She was worried and about Brad. She
2: was. <laughs> she, was, she, was uh, she had to make sure
3: that Boimler did not get to have sex. So.
2: <laughs> and I guess Discovery, kind of the first episode, uh, uh, Burnham's kind of going out on a spacewalk adventure, but it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. that I felt oh, yeah, was more yeah, Star yeah. Trekky than Kelvin was. It felt more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like how the, the two of them it. bond. Uh, w- like, I think this is like a kind of a relatable thing when, like, you have a friend who gets into a relationship. Or you get into a relationship, and then like your your friend and and your your partner are talking to each other about like oh they kind of both like know a certain side of you, and then kind of like compare notes. And it was like it was fun to see like they both think that he's goofy, but they both they both like him. They both think he's kind of a cool dude, and and just like the the way that like they build a friendship over their appreciation of this one guy. You know, <laughs> Look and, at like, this shot though. <laughs>
2: It's like, yeah, just like sp- sprawled out, naked with the with his uniform wrapped around his like p- his bits, as
3: they what, say. What's holding <laughs> the arms of the, the the sleeves of that uniform are pointed towards his feet rather than towards the ground? That uh, black rectangle we saw earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's adhesive. That, it's right? got Velcro or magnetomic adhesion, as they <laughs> used to say. So... Poor Boyblair. No, <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um. It, this is where they confirm there is no parasite in Barb. And I'm yeah. like, if you could just tell that with a tricorder, why didn't you scan her earlier? <laughs> um, like it's, was it like a consent thing? Like you're not yeah, supposed to scan it. It seems like there is. It seems
2: like you have to cause she's like, Why don't you go ahead and scan me? So that's when yeah. she finally does it. Like that's but, kinda nice,
0: right? Off someone's <laughs> hair. Like, that's okay to do. You don't need consent to just like cut off <laughs> a lock of someone's hair. Yeah. <laughs> Good, fair point. That's true. I'd rather be scanned with a tricorder than someone cut out a lock of my hair. (laughs) You should cut out a lock of this COVID beard I've been growing for the last (laughs) month. I mean,
2: I wouldn't mind this particular parasite in my love life, but at post-COVID, it would be nice, not not during this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have the the parasite... uh, was also something that we got a glimpse of in the trailer, but I think the design of it was <laughs> was funny. And and for whatever reason, like I don't, I, I like the goofiness more on this show. If it's something like this, like okay, the alien bad guy is the the silly thing, not the the Starfleet people. You know, yeah, it works it better is, for me.
3: It is certainly easier to excuse the silly aliens than it is yeah. to excuse the silly Starfleet because we know how the rules for Starfleet. We don't know the rules for this. Particular alien, so I, I love that I, the universal translator has no trouble translating this little bug it's, thing it's, immediately.
2: Love it. Could be
0: that it's just like from being hooked up to Boimler's brain, it all just picked up on English? Maybe. What did he say? Get me out of here! I'll buy you dinner or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, so crazy. Um, It was a, uh, it was a quite uh, thirsty parasite. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: Alexandra pointed out that she forgot. Um, Burnham's first adventure, but I want to say the fa- most famous spacewalk is obviously Spock's space- Spock. spacewalk in the motion picture. The Spock
0: walk. The Spock walk, exactly. <laughs> yes. um, but Barb is kind of obsessed with this parasite and says that she's got to go off and study it and kind of breaks up with Boimler. I like that she did admit that she was into him for more than just like the pheromones and she thinks <laughs> that she does like actually like him. Um, yeah, that was
2: the nice thing. It was just
0: weird. I kind of would have liked to have seen like Boimler get a win, like get a W <laughs> at some point, like he gets to keep the girlfriend. And then I also thought of how, because they're doing like a very like next generation style of writing, where they're going to hit the reset button at the end of each episode. And they're probably going to want to free up Boimler for other romantic possibilities, other romantic encounters yeah. in future episodes.
3: Yeah, he uh, has to be awkward around other women. So
1: yes. And and Barb Barb is gonna have a long happy life with that parasite. Yeah, (laughs)
3: babies.
0: (laughs) Will we see the two of them again in the future? (laughs) Maybe next
1: time we see
3: them, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's almost some part of me that says, "Isn't that a bit sinister to to let her go off with the bug when the bug might be controlling her?" And I don't know. I I remember somebody telling me about uh, a superhero. uh, x-men or something comic or something where something like that happened but uh but yeah it just seems like r- really oh, okay i guess she's happy but uh <laughs> so um but yeah i couldn't help <clears throat> she's she's clearly into the bug <laughs> even if she hasn't realized it yet
0: yeah um and I, I get like why they want to like break them up so that Boimler can have like these other romantic possibilities but i do wish that star trek would be bold enough to be a uh, a little less heteronormative and just like show some polyamory in the future. It mm-hmm. may be like, oh yeah, like Boimler can have a girlfriend, but they're in an open relationship and he's allowed to see other women. And you can still tell those stories. And then you tell future Barb stories. But
3: you know. I, I can totally see Mariner being in some open relationship like that. But Ble- Boimler just seems like mm-hmm. like he's too. Old school, follow the rules, bookish. I, I just can't see. He, he would be all weirded out by that. I'm saying Star Trek needs to normalize that. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. I just think Boimler is like the strangest place to start. <laughs> okay, so, well, if not there, then somewhere. Yeah, yeah. now if Mariner or, or just about anyone else that, on I the kind crew. Of,
2: the way you said that, I kind of want it to happen because when you said Boimler is the strangest – place to start it was almost like okay that's exactly perfect it'd be the funniest scenario if that is where they start with that would be pretty funny and i like
1: i like that
0: uh, mariner and barb like they end as friends and they're gonna like hang out and do stuff together and uh and then boimler is kind of like caught off guard by that because he's like oh no now both of y'all can tell each other the embarrassing stories you know about me (laughs) i just can't win (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and and now i get to have you hanging out Ooh. with my ex-girlfriend all the time <laughs> so, or regularly anyway maybe not all the time
0: captain freeman looks great there i love yeah, this I'm, like, like <laughs> let's, let's shift gears and talk about captain freeman uh th- this is the best use of her in the show so far i i believe but uh when we sh- when we see her being like the diplomatic badass where she's like she thinks that she's crossed all the T's dotted all the eyes. Okay. Like I can like, <laughs> please everybody. She's like, okay, you get three tons of moon dust to worship. Uh, you get uh, a relocation to the, the sixth moon, which is technically now the fifth moon. That was hilarious. Uh, the gravity generators for, for your, uh, farming. And then we get like the, the, the one asshole who's like, well, no, what about like my planet? The moon, uh, blocks the, uh, the pollution? Did you say like the pollution from coming to his <laughs> right. planet? Right. <laughs> so I'm not sure, like how a moon would have any impact on that? We'll find out. Like <laughs> this guy might not be like the most ir- rational character. He might be like a bit entitled um, when he's jumping up on the desk, like yelling with a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's um, di-
2: he he looks different from all the others. He's kind of a tomato color. Yeah,
0: Whereas he's there, he's on the uh, third planet and they were all on the second planet. Right. So he's like, like a subspecies maybe. Um, but he, we learned from him that like, oh, there's only two people on on his planet. <laughs> he's like, we both have to evacuate and, and, and Captain Freeman is like, uh, what, what do you mean both? Like when she, she gets like really mad and she's like, there's only two fucking people on your whole fucking planet. <laughs> she's <laughs> just "Like blow up the moon."
3: Uh, I did like no- like the the way they button it up with, "Oh well, I I own the I'm I own the planet. I we're we're rich, you know. This kind of idea that oh well, we're we're worth all of those other people. We are equal to their value, you know, just because we're rich." Uh,
1: but why did why didn't the Cerritos or the Vancouver scan his planet and find out that there were, there were only like two life signs there?
0: Maybe because they were rich, they have like some type of like privacy, like uh, like, oh, like yeah, like <laughs> yeah, a screen. Yeah. So yeah, from scanning, that's a good point. <laughs> they're they're blowing up the moon, and it's gonna, I guess, wreck his planet. He's like, oh, we just <laughs> <read> the floors.
1: <laughs> no, well, first he says he he says, oh, you maniacs! That's a reference to Planet of the Apes. And he says, oh yeah, oh, no. You're oh, right, oh, so. that's right.
3: We but we yeah, like I, I can't help think enough. of I can't help but think of people screaming about how they can't get their hair done. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah. A lot of a lot of uh topical, real life uh parallels can be drawn out of this episode.
3: Very, yeah, I don't cool know if way. it was meant to be as social commentary as it was when they wrote it, but it certainly landed well in the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well you get happy accidents like that when you're you kinda understand the themes that are relevant to today, even if it's not exactly uh, what you're thinking if you have like your ear to the ground when you're writing a lot of times, you know, stuff like this happens that it does kind of like line up with whatever is going on in real life. Uh, Very
1: true.
0: Yeah. Like no concern for like the other people, like their religion was going to get turned upside down. Their, their farms were going to dry up their, uh <laughs> Their, their ancestral home was was, was going to get destroyed. <laughs> but he's all he cares about is like the whole planet for him and his wife. Yeah. It was weird that Captain Freeman is the one who gives the order to the, the Vancouver crew to blow up the moon, but um
3: Oh yeah it, it
0: worked it worked in the in the moment in like that scene. Like just her reaction. Could it, could it just be
2: that she is like despite being on the Srida, she's kind of like has seniority or something, or because she uncovers the I don't know. Maybe. She
3: just made a good leadership check. You know, yeah it was a natural twenty, <laughs> and everyone just did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. It, it kind of seems like she might have been in more command of she's in command of like the diplomatic stuff, and the other captain was in command of like the technical stuff, uh, right. you know like right. the no, actual like, moon implosion, uh, which kind of makes it make even less sense <laughs> if you think of it that way. <laughs> but the the point is the moon gets imploded, cool visuals, and then i I also love seeing the debris. Uh, no pun intended, but don't make a cheese joke. Uh, mm-hmm. But seeing the debris form that ring around the planet, uh, I've always thought about it'd be so cool to blow up Earth's moon and then having like a ring in the sky. Ah! <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: <laughs> from a res- from a resource perspective, that might be cool to blow up the moon. But from a, <laughs> I don't know. Although a ring would be pretty. You're
0: totally right.
2: That's to some grade A
3: supervillains shit there. Father <laughs> yeah, e. <So>. <laughs> <Very> <laughs>
0: Jeez. <laughs> I have plans within plans, so keep that in mind. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> for a moment, think about with like
2: full, fully like the, the, the type of special effects we have on discovery. Think about how cool that would actually look in like a non animated scenario. Like if they actually, you know, scienced it up even more like a moon, you know, turning into dust and then turning into the ring around a planet. Like that'd be a really neat visual. I'd like to see uh, a simulation.
0: Of what would like what happened to our planet if like the moon was blown up? I want to see like scientists like plug in the math and like run the numbers and be like, oh well, it would cause like these earthquakes, like these tidal changes.
3: <laughs> if the moon just know. blew up, life on Earth would be over. <laughs> so, at least certainly is as, as human. I, agree. Life. Um, I got a bunker now. If you've got a you know if you implode it with funny gravity things and naked ensigns running them all, then maybe it works. But but uh, but certainly if you just blow it up, we're all dead. So.
2: Since you brought up the naked Naked Ensign in that scene, I forgot to point out that he says Marin. No, it's like Mariner, but he's like Marin. No, <laughs> I really I didn't that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the few notes I wrote down. I was really chuffed by that
0: let's uh shift gears and talk about the b story with tinder and rutherford which this is the part of the episode that i did you just called like candy tinder this was not on purpose <laughs> no so it's funny that you say that because um my uh, my, my girlfriend antonia cooked some uh chicken tenders uh the day we were watching this and i kept saying like uh chicken tendies and I like, I'm like I, I, Whenever I I uh, see this uh, green woman, I associate chicken tenders with her. So it's in slip. Oh, uh, nice. yeah. Tendy and Rutherford, and they're um, working on the uh, Cerritos, and then they get to go over to the Vancouver. So, and so do
3: we have any idea how old the Cerritos is? Given that now they've established that it is kind of an older ship, I would say uh, at least twenty years. Yeah, can I you do? It, I I know you can do some loose, very inaccurate dating off of this uh, naval construction contract code, the NCC number on the ship. I I don't know if anyone's tried to work that out. And if yeah, it, it actually it, like
0: lines up with like late, uh, like season seven DS nine. Like uh, uh, it's like around. It's like a, the, close to like the Sao Paulo Oh, is probably okay. Constructed during the Dominion War. Uh, All right. For for the people that concerned about like uh, ships and their age and stuff. So but uh, registry numbers aren't perfect though they're <laughs> <laughs> they're worse than Stardates.
3: they're worse than start dates.
0: what do y'all think of this engineer uh, commander um, lieutenant commander Ron do- docent docent, docent? I, think that's
3: a, a dos- I think it's docent but I don't know um, I guess, I don't know, he, he seemed to be a, a nice vehicle to get the story moving, at least for most of it, until his little twist at the end. I actually yeah. loved Rutherford and Tendi getting all excited about the tech and getting excited about the T-88. And yes, I, Tendi is still my favorite character on the ship, and I just love uh, seeing them geek out about stuff and, and how the writers don't really seem to worry at all about the fact that these guys, too, have almost the same personality. They're just like... No, now we're gonna lean into that. So um and and yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed all their little competitions and everything.
0: Yeah. Um why do you think that they had a uh medic, a, a um sick bay uh personnel person doing these uh these mainframe diagnostic scans with the engineer
3: well, they said they were running diagnostics on the simulator. So I don't know if there's some sort of meta, uh, biological component to the simulations. Um, also, oh. the ship is advanced enough, it might have uh, bioneural gel packs, which might also make a bit more sense to bring in somebody uh, with a background in biology for testing and, and checking systems. Right. I didn't well, think they'd have that already. I beg also- your everybody- pardon.
2: Also, I, I, just it
3: might be an all hands
2: on deck type situation, and so she figure out a way to weasel in to this assignment so that she could hang out with Rutherford. So, like,
0: I think she like puts in some engineering hours that like hang out with yeah. her buddy. Well,
1: it, the Storitos isn't, uh, a, I, I could be wrong, but isn't it uh, an engineering focused kind of ship? Yeah, even that pretty much everybody has to have some kind of engineering yeah, that's knowledge, right. like. Boimler has uh, he wants to be a commander, but he's very technically oriented, and Tendy seems to be very much interested in engineering stuff, even though she's mostly you know focused on the medical. And, but she's she seems Vancouver like she would be perfectly similar. capable of doing this kind of things. So. Yeah,
2: what did they say in the beginning? The Vancouver's uh, like. Uh, equipped for large-scale engineering products, pro, uh, projects or something pro, like that? Well, uh,
1: lar- large-scale engineering projects, like well, the Enterprise team, like probably. Like, like,
0: imploding a moon is, is probably like as large-scale as you can get. As you but, can get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also think that it's not quite that weird to see like a blue shirt doing some engineering stuff because, you know, like on Voyager, we had a helmsman who worked in sickbay. Well, uh, we were low on personnel, but still there's a little bit of a precedent there. Tom Paris
3: has like three or four levels in every skill just if you look at it, he knows how to do everything. So, so he's exactly not very okay. representational, but Spock helped Scotty fix stuff all the time. Sure. So, yeah. And, uh, the and famous T'Pol... torpedo
2: surgery in Trek six is one of my favorite moments yeah. like that.
3: And, uh, you, you see to Paul helping out with stu- tech stuff too. Um, so it's not quite as weird. Um, I and the fact that they're bringing all these people over to the other ship, like you said, all hands on deck, it might just mean that they just they're they're desperate for as many crew members as they can to get this to work.
0: I got a laugh out of like the the visuals we get of uh, like their their fantasy of like having like the T eighty eight like everyone on an <laughs> engineering like bows down to Rutherford and like
3: <laughs> or or like with with Tindy she's like like the, the goddess of sickbay. <laughs> I, I think that was my favorite part of the show the the the, the, the little god fa- god goddess fantasies that was that was amazing. <laughs> It's, it's <laughs> like
1: today. It's like not the not day if saying. you had the, like the latest iPhone before everyone else, and you're like, oh.
0: <laughs> the people that are really into the tech, they think that they think that that's them. They think that they're like on like a like a god chariot in the sky, and everyone's like looking up to them because they have like the new iPhone. But <laughs> most people probably don't care what phone you have. But it's true. <laughs> Uh, I like that they use the implant too. They uh, they they remember that that Rutherford has the implant in, in most episodes. They let him do at least one thing with it. So he goes into turbo mode, so he can run more diagnostics. <laughs> it looks like I love that it hurts him a little when he do changes these modes. Like he always looks yeah. like he's a little. <laughs> um, but the uh, the competition, I guess, ended in a tie because the uh, engineer uh, Ron. Tells them that, uh, oh, you both finished and you can transfer to the Vancouver. And when they say that they don't want to leave the
3: Cerritos, he gets really mad. I, I did love, by the way, the door whoosh when they were talking about why they didn't <laughs> want to transfer. And the way that the doors whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was amazing.
0: <laughs> but yeah, this is where the, I have the problem with the episode. I'm on board with everything else until we get to here and everything that that happens after this in this B story of he wanted them to transfer to the Vancouver so that he could trade places with them. So how are like these two ensigns, one of them's not even an engineer. How are they going (laughs) to take the place of the chief engineer or because he leaves, does that mean like someone else will get promoted to chief engineer? So it opens up a slot for an ensign at the bottom
1: of the the totem. It seems seems like a nonsense kind of B plot. Yeah. Like he's just crazy. That's the way I see it. He's (laughs) He's nuts. nuts. He's He's
2: totally nuts. It takes a lot for him to come to his senses. I thought maybe he had
0: a different parasite or something. I don't don't know. I was (laughs) thinking he had the parasite because he's acting so insane. So weird, yeah.
3: I was wondering. I mean they do vaguely indicate that, that incredible stressful things happen on the Vancouver so maybe mm. we're just supposed to assume that, that this guy finally cracked after all well, the, yeah the alien invasions and zombies and whatever else that's happened on the Vancouver that you see week in after week out realistically <laughs> there's probably this happening all the time but
1: well the, but, the joke at the end is that he that serving on like an, like a big ship. Like the Enterprise D or the Vancouver, where they have epic adventures would actually probably take a significant psychological toll on certain people.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd like need to have a, psych, a, 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 a counselor on the ship all the time. It's just, <laughs> I mean,
2: the Enterprise, if you were to add up all the extraordinary things that just happened in it, to the Enterprise D, it is, it is crazy though, <laughs> like, when you
1: really think about it. I don't
0: like, think you're meant to think of these people as being just like constantly psychologically
1: tortured. I think it's <laughs> no, just... This, all, no, no, just this particular guy. Like, he can't handle this ship. Like, okay. he that shit. Yeah, <laughs> he, like oh, I'll buy it. I'll buy it.
3: Yeah, he, but then just, they leave yeah. him there to continue to cause problems, even though he's <laughs> cracked. Yeah. They don't actually saw, make the ship safer. The chief engineer is still cracked and will shoot at people the, under some circumstances. So, this this is, is a stretch. I like oh, sorry.
1: This, oh, this is sorry. A, go ahead. Oh, go
2: ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. This is a stretch, but it reminds me of Battlestar Galactica, like when they first meet the Pegasus crew in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica, like how they're so much more intense than on the Galactica, and then you're like, oh. thank God, like the Galactica not that insane, you know.
1: Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I agree but just, with Fathery that this was. The, the I, I didn't mind him wanting the transfer, but when he starts chasing them and shooting at them, it did feel like that was a bit much uh, to just <laughs> trot out in the final act of the episode.
0: I did like the you, idea of like Rutherford being shot in the hand, and it just kind of like stunned his his arm. Um, have we ever seen that before with like the stun technology? Where it, it like I don't uh, think so. It, We've it seen like people.
3: There have been times when people have been shot with stun and they're not completely out. Um, but I – and mm-hmm. I've always assumed those were like grazing hits even if the special effects didn't nef- necessarily support that. There them. are there There's are some contact.
2: people who are resistant to certain like standard stun levels and you have to like increase the level and, mm-hmm. to stun them. Like we've had instances of that. Like I, I can't yeah. think of – Exactly, I but mean, when they were under the influence of the oh, yeah, like when they were under the influence of the you know, the weird TNG season one, the conspiracy
0: bug. Conspira- yeah,
2: par- un- speaking of a parasite, remember it took like a lot more to like knock out someone who was who was like yeah. some, somehow controlled with that. And in Miri, and I only know this again because of recency bias, he stuns one of the infected people and they actually it actually kills them. So, stun settings are just an approximation.
3: Yeah, it is worth noting he's got that implant that might just reboot his brain because that's the part of you that passes out. Now, that would imply that he is immune to stuns or at least normal stun, maybe not heavy stun. So that could end up causing continuity problems in the future with this bit of patchwork. But it is plausible (laughs) that it just reboots his brain uh, as soon as he gets knocked out uh, as a safety system. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, But... This was also weird to me how they blackmail this uh, <laughs> senior officer to get the T-88s. and then they also like ha- they've they've stolen. Like, Can we call it like graymail? Because it wasn't like that bad. It was ca- he kind of deserved it. <laughs> I'm sure, of we weird it- for Starfleet to do like blackmail and theft. It that's why just, I'm saying graymail. you I, know. Like, I, I, I kind of really think thought. they
3: should have done one or the other. Either they stole the things or they blackmailed him. But doing both just felt like. Like, we had two different scripts and we wanted to keep both endings.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't mind that he blackmailed him because the dude was a jerk anyway, but I didn't I didn't agree with them stealing all the T-88s or whatever they're called.
2: Well, I yeah. just didn't think it was plausible. I feel like they could download the schematics and replicate them. Like, isn't that possible with a small <laughs> tool like this?
3: Like clearly, this. clearly, there is a component that is not a, a key component in these things that is not replicatable. There's a so lat, no,
2: there's a bypass latinum core in the processor. Or, or, that or, yeah, it uses a printer. dilithium
3: crystal or something, a <laughs> yeah, exactly. bit know, of verdium quartonide. Right, I, I mean, maybe <laughs> they use a, maybe they have a verdium sub subspace accelerator to so that the processor works faster than the speed of light on the, on the T88. Um, oh my gosh. I didn't, I didn't think you could miniaturize it to something that small, but that would be something. <laughs> you probably couldn't replicate
2: it's not so picard that you can replicate the t88s <laughs>
3: <laughs> it would also explain why everyone's so excited about them this is a handheld gadget that's processor works faster than the speed of light yeah. that would actually be pretty cool so.
2: i was hoping that like, can i maybe... just say something about the stealing is it really stealing yeah. when you're stealing from starfleet or the federation i feel like it, it's not you know like <laughs> i just don't think like you're, it's just like borrow it's like borrowing the equipment or like you know is it know. is it star I mean, is it starfleet
1: you know. to go back in time and kill the guy who was worse worse than uh, hitler <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's very starfleet that's one of the yeah. most Starfleet things you can do um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the uh the gorn eggs in this episode because i have a, a big list like always with lower decks so no surprise there but um i do need to go through this uh quickly uh, but the, the USS Vancouver, of course, uh, we can assume named after Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Uh, actually, uh, that's, that's my favorite city I've ever been to outside of the state of Texas or uh, Ireland. Uh, like my, my favorite place I've ever been to is probably Vancouver.
1: Do you know the reason yeah. behind why it's called the Vancouver? Why is that? Because Well, it's parliamentship. So yes, it is Canadian. But uh, the branch of Titmouse animation that produces oh, Lower Decks. Yeah, they're based yeah. there. So it's kind oh of like a nod,
3: nod to the city in which it's... Oh, so there's two created. Star Treks made in Vancouver. Yeah, Star Ooh. Trek
0: Star Trek Beyond and um, Lower Decks, both made in Vancouver.
3: Uh, well, thank you for getting that in, in there because we would have looked like right idiots if we hadn't mentioned the that before the end of the episode.
0: The Canadian guest delivered on the Canadian trivia.
3: Yes. Nice. By the yes. way,
2: Justin Bieber just dropped a new music video, which I love, which is him singing a Drake song uh, by, by DJ Khaled. Alright, never okay, mind. We ain't got time right. for that. Uh, that's Sorry. Um, He's Canadian. It's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> They're both Canadian.
0: Our, our next uh, our next born egg, um, Boimler mentions uh, a hopped up cue on Captain Picard Day. That was hilarious. Um, Another reference to captain picard day uh the the second one in cbs all access era star trek i guess that's like a widely recognized holiday though at, at this point in the future um, tindi and rutherford discuss how the vancouver has the self-replication silica which i thought that might have sounded like next generation no pun intended but like next generation uh voyager style gel packs uh, mm-hmm. But now it's, like, self-replicating. So that kind of does answer my question earlier of why do we have, like, a medic working on a computer diagnostics? Nice. Um, I, I should have thought of that. But uh, speaking of, of the Vancouver, <laughs> the shuttlecraft on board uh, her shuttle bay are labeled after Vancouver neighborhoods, like Fairview or uh, Marple.
3: Oh. Hmm.
0: Um, kind of like how the uh, Cerritos has... Uh, California Your State Parks, you know, like Yosemite yeah. or Valley. Um, Boimler's teddy bear that we talked about earlier has the visor and kind of resembles uh, an engineer, Jordy LaForge. Jordy um, LaBear. Jordy <laughs> LaBear, yeah, I guess we're going to call that Jordy LaBear from now on. Teddy uh, LaForge. Other teddy Eddie, LaForge is a well. good <laughs> The cool for me is like a big animated series fan. Is uh, Mariner mentions a Fallujian crew member. Yes. <laughs> uh, are the plant people from the Infinite Vulcan. I really hope that we see her in a future episode. I really hope Boimler tries to date one. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. Uh, speaking of who Boimler's dating, uh, Barb mentions a mission, I guess, back in time to 1920s Chicago. Uh, they talk about like some some temporal oh, right. shenanigans and having to reverse the polarity to get back. but uh, 1920 Chicago is also uh, kind of a nod to original series episode a piece of the action. When uh, Boimler is all jealous of jet, he mentions that he's like a Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> um one did a great graphic of on Twitter. I just <laughs> <say>. <laughs> you know, the, the captain of the Enterprise in the original series and our chief engineer uh, Trip Tucker in Star Trek Enterprise. Um, but we get like a lot of gorn eggs with Mariner and her paranoia where she's accusing uh, Barb of being all kinds of things like a Romulan spy. We've seen you know Romulans try to infiltrate before with like... Um, uh, Nerissa on Star Trek Picard. Um, they also like impersonate Vulcans a lot. Uh, Salt Succubus is a clear reference to TOS episode The Man Trap. Um, the M about, like,
2: one one three creature.
0: Yeah. Uh, androids, like we saw in, in the original series, with androids disguised as humans. Uh, Changeling reference to uh, Odo's people in Deep Space Nine. She even mentions the the people from the episode Justice. The uh, the sexy people <laughs> yeah. in, in, in trial. In the um, rompers,
2: now I know what those are. They're I laughed so hard. <laughs> There's the it's twin, cl- the cl- transporter clones, which is also a yes. TOS reference. There's a reference have- to
1: the, the dolphin. Uh,
0: the dolphin from season two of Next Generation. We no have Sulaban. Uh, we have uh, LOL, the the uh, android offspring from The Offspring, the, the salt creature, uh, Romulan, Sheska. Yeah. Uh, Seska and other Cardassians okay. have disguised themselves uh, as humans or Bajorians. <laughs> uh, um, Klingons have disguised themselves like uh, Darby in The Trouble of Tribbles. Um, we mentioned the Transporter twins from The Enemy Within. I don't know why she has uh, possibly George or Gracie well on, her, on her big board, um, but this was a cool one. Uh, she has like a little map of the... Uh, kind of Northeast United States. And I think there's a dot on what we can assume might be Carbon Creek, Pennsylvania. Mm. uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. uh, In the 1950s.
1: I don't think anybody else has gotten that particular reference. (laughs) If
0: that is the
3: case. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Nice.
0: Oh, and, and uh, somewhere there was like a picture of a Vandorian. So we get to see another one of those like like we saw uh, in episode two of Lower Decks. <laughs> um, I, I think those are all the ones I caught. But let's move on to the, the other cool batch of Gorn Lately eggs done. Uh, was in Mariner's flashback. We had the Olympic class Keto. We had uh, a very short glimpse of Deep Space Nine, which I hope is teasing a uh, a <laughs> true return to the station. And of course, the uh, the black and gray uniforms that we mentioned—they even animated the com badges to look correctly. Um, uh-huh. So I was I was glad to see that, even though I like, I wish that they just had the right com badge on the lower deck uniforms. But whatever. What if this is the right com badge for it's, right now? But it's not because well, I guess it, apparently it is, but it doesn't make sense because in the Picard flashbacks we see the. Uh, Oh, return! Call. You're, right. Yeah. You're, right. They, You're they, right. They drop it and then bring it back, but uh, the uniforms aren't uniform anymore in Star Trek. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this this lab that they're in, uh, when when Barb is working with Jet that I mentioned earlier, I think this is supposed to be uh, stellar cartography, like we saw in Star Trek Generations and Star Trek uh, Nemesis. Um, when uh, Captain Freeman mentions well, if the fifth moon blows up. The sixth moon becomes the fifth moon. That sounds an awful lot. Like what happens in the Seti alpha star system. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> SETI alpha five. Uh, Barb, uh, accuses Mariner of, uh, well, she says that for a while, she thought that she must've been a rogue holodeck character like Moriarty <laughs> or a uh, brain infiltrator, uh, brain being a, a species that we see a, a, a good bit of in star Trek, deep space nine. Um, the password to Commander Ron Dawson's pad was Riker, so uh, we can assume that's probably reference to Captain Thomas Riker at this point in time, in the year twenty three eighty. Um, I think they actually might have teased a dolphin character in the uh, Citation Ops Lab when um mariner is telling funny stories about boimler to barb and uh she she says uh and then skill says that's my dorsal and she says it in kind of like it sounds like kind of a dolphiny voice kind of like a nasally underwater voice so i'm wondering if she's mm-hmm. talking about a dolphin crew member that we will see and we, we've talked about this before in previous podcasts with the uh citation ops on board the Ceratos.
2: i think mike mcmahon said it's not till season he that it definitely
0: won't be in this season. That maybe season yeah, two will have. Two. To but, out. Yeah. I think. I think we'll see it eventually, uh, based on, on what McCann <clears throat> said. Um, speaking of Commander Ron Dawson, he mentions uh, not only going back in time to kill the guy worse than <clears> Hitler, <throat> which was probably on that mission to the nineteen twenties, uh, but he also mentions uh, having to deal with the Dyson Sphere. So, call back to the Star Trek Next Generation episode Relics. And uh, Starfleet boy mentioned earlier, having uh, that little bug take control of you, that little parasite, is uh, something that we've seen previously in the Next Generation episode, Conspiracy. So and I guess are there, there, is, well.
3: there is one you missed. The uh... What I missed. Um, In the the little gravity ship where Naked Boimler was, off to the left, if you're standing in the doorway, there's this big glass schematic of a warp core, and that is from, originally they had that as a prop they built for the episode where uh, Jordy calls up a holographic, Leah Brahms, and, that's totally tried, right. and that was that prop, this, the, 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 the oh, warp yeah, prop,
2: very nice. then the prop
3: actually gets recycled a couple of other times throughout Star Trek, uh, in, in very, in, in the background of places, but that's by far the place where you see it the most. And that is clearly what that is. They get in a fight, they go through it and fall through it and break yeah. it. But, but that's, that's that, that, that is that prop.
2: Right. Well, um, that's if, a lot of Gorn Eggs. Holy yeah, exactly it's, it's always more
0: than I think. Like, I watched the episode, <laughs> and I see a bunch of them, and I'm like, okay, there is like seven or eight, maybe. And then, like, I'll go and like list them all out, and I'm like, oh, there is actually like 30. But it'll <laughs> be a kind of relief when we, when we get to Discovery, because I think there's there's going to be a lot less stuff to list off in, in that show. But uh, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe Discovery will double down on the Gorn Eggs. We'll
2: in the meantime, In the we still Next season, I hope they make this shirt again. It says, instead of general purpose, general
0: porpoise garment <laughs> for the situation. <laughs> uh, you're canceled, Starfleet. Boy, that was terrible. Ah! <laughs> uh, take your dad somewhere else, bro. All right, all right. <laughs> um, but uh speaking of where you should take them, you should take them on over to your own uh, YouTube channel for people that are watching us live right now because we're about to kick off Starfleet Boy After Dark and uh, hang out over there. So everyone take is a short join us
2: snack break and see you guys at like around ten thirty on yeah. Starfleet. Boy. That means he's going to go get another margarita.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, return uh, next week. We're live every Friday at seven thirty p.m. Central uh, for the Text Trek podcast to discuss. Star Trek Lower Decks. We still have half a season to go through, and then we'll be doing season three of Discovery. So we still have a, a long way to go in these twenty three weeks of Star Trek, but uh, we we definitely need it right now. I'm, I am I am very happy to have this uh, uh, just abundance of Star Trek at a, at a time like this. So uh, very please true. Uh, check us out then, and uh, until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.
3: Listen to the Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at Tex-Trek.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tex-Trek, and follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you, and take care.